Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Green Street, part three today. And I want, as you're standing, I just want to read this text. This has been my text throughout. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. It says this, for you have need of endurance. Turn around and tell somebody, say, you've got to endure. You've got to endure. You have to endure. And then the second part, it says, so that after you have done the will of God. Tell them this, you've got to do the will of God. And then the third part is this, that you may receive the promise. You've got to receive the promise. Turn around and say, you're going to get your promise. All right, cool deal. So there's three parts to that. Three parts. You've got to endure. You've got to do the will of God, but you're going to receive the promise. God bless you. You may be seated today. Dream Street, part three. I've got a goal today. Um, My goal, I doubt that there will be an altar service today. That's not my intentions today, although we love that. My really strong goal today is that I teach you something, that I preach to you something that you're able to carry home and really put into to work. And so I'm going to speak to you in a, in a fashion that I really think that you'll be able to go home and live some of the things that we give you today. Are you ready? I want you to picture Dream Street as a road that leads to your dreams. That's kind of common sense. And so as you look at this graph here today, this first graph we're going to show you, it's just that. It's simply a street that heads towards your dreams. And in this graph, uh, when I started talking about all this, I got Michael Scobie. He was still here, and he drew this up with graphics. And, and uh, that orange car is you today. And you're heading towards your dream, and your goal is to move towards that. And there's so many different streets in your life that we could talk about, and we will today. And that is, you've got your marriage street. That's a, that's a street in your life. You've got your living for God street. You've got your business street. And then you have your family street. There's, there's so many different streets in your life. And really everything I'm teaching you today and sp- preaching to you about today, you can apply the principles that I give you today to work on every one of those streets and travel down that and reach your dream. But let's just talk about the road because this is my goal today to show you what the road looks like, to really give you a picture in your mind what Dream Street looks like. On either side of Dream Street that you're traveling on, on both sides, there's a shoulder that's on Dream Street. And often the shoulders of the street are, compri- are comprised of, of, uh, of gravel. And so you're heading down that road and you, you move a little bit to the right and you start hitting gravel. And it starts kind of waking you up or if you've fallen asleep a little bit. I, uh, I, how many of you, let's just get real honest here today. How many of you have not been paying attention and while you're driving, you start hitting the gravel a little bit and it straightens you back up? Just, just get honest. You people are messed up. I've never had that happen. No, just kidding. My wife, my wife... Um, Back in college days, she was tired, and she went on this long trip she's by herself, and, and she, she's traveling, and 
she goes to sleep at the wheel. That'd make a good song. She goes to sleep at the wheel, and, and she goes off into the gravel and then into the ditch, and finally she's awakened in a very scary situation. God protected her and all that good stuff, and I thank the Lord for that. But that gravel is meant to, to wake you up. It's meant to let you know, hey, you're off the beaten path. You're not where you need to be. And so on both sides of the road is Dream Street. You've got, you've got gravel there that is meant to correct you. And if not corrected, it's possible that the same gravel that is meant to be a, uh, something to straighten you up and wake you up will grab hold of your tires and pull you into the next level. It'll pull you into the ditch if you don't straighten things out really quickly. And so the first place that we often veer into when we're going down Dream Street, the first shoulder that we usually hit real quick in our life is the shoulder of frustration. The shoulder of frustration. Now everybody is familiar with the gravel on the shoulder of frustration. In fact, being successful and chasing the dream means traveling cl- really close. I mean like super close to the shoulder of frustration. You're always right near the shoulder of frustration. In fact, I'm a leader and I'm a pastor and all that good stuff. And really, to be honest with you, my life is, is manage frustration. It's, it's, it's getting people living for God, and then they get frustrated and, 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 and fall in the ditch, and, and I'm like, oh, and I'm frustrated, and, 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 and all this process. And, there's, and some of frustration is healthy, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, and so how can you have ambition for a brighter tomorrow without, without being frustrated at the current set of realities? And so we understand that frustration can be a healthy thing and all of that good stuff. And, and how, how can a leader be at war with the status quo and not be frustrated at the same time? And so frustration's not all bad. And so we're riding there and we feel that frustration and we're really, really always very close to that gravel of frustration. The answer, of course, is that no one can completely avoid frustration. Everybody in this room, your marriage, your business, your family, you're living for God, you've been frustrated at some time or the other. That doesn't make you bad. That's just part of the journey. They have this guy in the Bible named, uh, named, named Paul, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I think it is, and verses 5 through 9, we get this story from Paul, and, and Paul is like, he, he is the uh, bomb diggity of the gospel. That means he's all that. He, he's I mean, this guy is brilliant, he's smart, and on top of that, he's crazy anointed, and he wrote a big part of the New Testament. And so Paul is, is, is kind of, in verse 5, kind of laying out the fact of, I'm pretty awesome. You know you want to say that about yourself sometime. And like, man, I'm, you know, he didn't, he just, man, I've, I've seen a lot of things, I've been through a lot of things, and, and I, I got to tell you, if I'm not careful, I could get conceited. And um, in fact, he went on to say, he went to talk about these. He said, man, I've seen a lot of revelations. I, I've, I've seen things that nobody else has ever seen and been able to write about those things. And, 
Got all these revelations. And man, I'm, and so if you read this in the first verse, you go like, man, this guy is on Dream Street. He's heading towards purpose, heading towards dream. Brilliant guy. He's got it all made. And man, there must not be any frustration in life. And then he stops in the next verse and he says this. But I got this little problem. And, and this is it. I've got this thorn in my flesh. I got this thorn in my flesh, and I'm just going to call it the thorn of frustration. He's got this thorn of frustration in his flesh, and he's like, man, I don't care for this frustration. In fact, I know that he didn't care for the thorn because the Bible says, just a verse later, he says this. He said, I prayed three times for God to remove the thorn that was in my flesh. Three times. So he's like, God, please help me. And boy, he's sincere. And I imagine this took some time. God, please, please help me remove this frustration, remove this thorn. He turns around and it's there. Lord, please remove this thorn. And it's there. Please remove this thorn. And it's there. And before long, he's frustrated about being frustrated. He's frustrated at God. He's frustrated with himself. And I'm still dealing with this thorn in my flesh. I asked the Lord three times. I asked him to remove my frustration. But frustration, when I use it correctly, becomes the hedge that helps me stay on Dream Street. It becomes the, the hedge. It kind of helps bump me back in to what I need to do. And I wake up and frustration can be healthy. But I've got to tell you this. It can also be a trap. It can be a trap that'll pull you in. And if you don't get it straightened out and manage it correctly, the gravel of frustration will pull you into the next ditch. And you can struggle with it. But, and, but listen what Paul said. He said this. He said, I learned something about this thorn in the flesh. I realized that with it, guess what? I guess what? I found out that my weaknesses were made strong. And I found out this. And he says this. He says in these verses, he said this. I found out because of this thorn in the flesh, this frustration that I've been dealing with, that I was asking God to move. And listen to this. I found out through it that his grace is sufficient for my need. I found out that in my weaknesses, I'm made strong. Thank you, Jesus, so much that you gave frustration in our life because the frustration helps keep me on Dream Street. Can I give the Lord a hand clap of praise today if that's making sense to anybody? Too much frustration, though, can be a warning sign. If you stay in frustration and you, and, you, and you get up in frustration and you stay there and the gravel is in your life, it can be a warning sign. And you'll notice the warning sign in a few ways. And one of the ways is, is your attitude starts changing. and it starts, You feel a dip in your attitude and it starts pulling you down with that. And maybe you know someone or maybe you've been there where, where you've just, you just let frustration just beat you to death and it wasn't used to, to help you but you stayed in frustration and you have people like that on your work and job and maybe you've been there yourself I'm sure every one of you have and, and you, let, you let frustration change who you are you can see it I, I, being a pastor I can see people when they walk in the door on Sunday that all week some of them have been riding the gravel of frustration. And they get there and all of a sudden we begin to preach and teach and all these different things. But, but, but the frustration is so beat them up that it does something that I'm going to preach in the next part of this. That it pulls them into 
the ditch, the ditch, a dangerous place. And it's called the ditch of discouragement. The ditch of discouragement. Discouragement, though, folks, is a showstopper. It'll mess you up every time because it does one thing. It robs you of your hope. And when you lose hope, you're a most men miserable. You're in a miserable place without hope. The leader, the saint, the married couple trapped in the ditch of discouragement will make no further progress towards the dream and the purpose that God has laid in your heart and your marriage and business and life and living for God. You're instantly stopped in the ditch of discouragement and you find yourself there broken and given up all hope. Did you, did you hear about, about the devil? A- after Harvey, he, he had a garage sale. Y'all didn't hear about it? Good, you're not reading his news report. But he, he, had, a, he, had, a, he had a garage sale, and it, he, he advertised that he was going to sell all of his tools. And so people showed up, and they got there, and they started looking over all of his treacherous tools and instruments, and they saw over there, and it was hatred, and man, it had a, it had a price tag on it. And then they looked over here and they saw envy and they, they saw jealousy and they saw deceit and pride and lying and there was a price tag and there was a, there was, there was a high price tag on, on each one of them because he, he didn't really want to get rid of them. He just wanted to kind of show them off. Then somebody looked at him and said, hey, what's, what's that tool laying over there by itself? And he said, oh, that's, that's, that's discouragement. That's discouragement. It's the name of that tool. And he said, man, that one's really wore down. And, it, it, it's, and he said, yes, I, I use that a, a whole lot. I use that one very, very often. And then he says, why, why such a low price tag on discouragement? He said, oh, that one's easy. That's easy. Because I can use that and people buy into that. And if they get a hold and if I get, sell them with discouragement, I can get the rest easily within their heart. So I make sure, and she said, I tell you this, most Christians don't even realize that I own discouragement. You've got to understand something today. You've got to understand the reality that when you come to the house of God, see, I want you to understand this graph, this picture today, because I want you to know when the devil's up to something, you know where he's at. I want you to know I feel discouragement, and I see where I'm at. I'm in the ditch of discouragement, and so I'm going to bring this thing back. I'm feeling I'm getting too close to discouragement because I'm going to tell you something. Discouragement is a scary thing because it begins to steal your vision. It begins to steal your dreams. It begins to steal your purpose, and you lose hope. And so, and so you, you ever been to church, and you've been so discouraged that the pastor or somebody preaches, and in the process of preaching, that, that, that it's, it's, it's probably exactly what you need, but but you leave out and you, you didn't even hear it. It's like, it's, and, and I have people come up to me and they'll tell me something. I'm going, bro, did you like hear last week's message? Because I mean, I think it had your name on it. I think you were tagged in it. But they didn't hear it because discouragement kind of insulates our ears so that you don't get hope to get back towards your dream. But if you're in the ditch of discouragement, you easily lose sight of the dream and the purpose in your life. It can't happen. We can't. Let it, at the price, the price, we just can't pay that price to let discouragement begin to sell its way into our life. But life is full of discouraging circumstances. 
Even the most blessed people, you need to understand, even, that, even the most spiritual people, even the wealthy, whoever it may be, the spiritually mature face constant seasons of discouragement in your life. And the only way to stay away from the oncoming traffic, the only way to travel near the shoulder of frustration but clear of the ditch of discouragement is to focus straight ahead on the dream and the dream giver in your life. You've got to focus on these things. It's huge for you today. It's huge for you today. If the enemy has stolen your hope, if he's stolen your hope, i gotta, I got to wake you up today. Please hear my voice today and please understand this. You don't have to stay discouraged. Even before you leave this place, you can leave here with a fresh found hope in your spirit because the dream giver is in the house to touch and minister your life. Can you give the Lord some love today? Some love today. The next thing I want to talk to you about is the ditch or the, the shoulder if it's on the other side of the road. And it's the shoulder that is very dangerous and can be a, a tough thing if you fall into this. You got to cross across the median and then you, then you hit something called the shoulder of comfort. The shoulder of comfort. Now this one is probably you wasn't ready for, you didn't see it coming, but it's a shoulder of comfort. And comfort usually hits us and, and we're so enjoying comfort that we don't even really look at it as something that, you know, that we wrestle again. In fact, in fact we kind of fall in love with comfort. And, and comfort is fine in small doses and it's, it's, it's healthy for us in certain areas of life. But it's also like a gravel and it, it can serve as a warning to let you know you can lose sight of the dream. Too much comfort can cause you to lose sight of the, re- the dream. And remember, ambition flourishes in discontent of the status quo. And so you got to stay focused. And, and we start all, all of us kind of start off in life and we've got this dream inside of us. And we've got this purpose and we want to do something. I love to talk to teenagers and, and, and they say, man, i got to tell you, we, we, man, we want to be this in life and we want to be that in life. And it's exciting to hear them talk about it. And then we start to age and we start heading towards our dream and, and we start hitting a little frustration and we get, we get upset about that and think, man, I didn't see that coming. And, and so, so we swerve and, and we hit the shoulder of comfort. Man, shoulder of comfort feels so nice. And the blessing, listen to this statement, the blessing of comfort becomes the curse that will destroy your dream. There's nothing wrong with comfort. It's healthy and good, but it's a gravel that you need to understand. If you start riding in comfort, you'll lose sight of the dream. Discontent and comfort cannot coexist, and so you can find yourself so comfortable, so, so comfortable that, that you lose sight of something greater, the next level in your life. I, I got to tell you, so many and I'm just going to use my profession, but so many pastors have fallen right in this category, and, 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 and that is this. Listen to this. They get to going, and, 
in, you know, Parkway, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a healthy church. It's a unified church, and it's a healthy size, and, and man, it's, it's a good thing. But, but, but there's, something, there's something inside of me as a pastor, this God-given vision, that God-given dream, that God, I just know you've got more for us, and we want to we see God all that. We, we want the gospel to be proclaimed to all the golden triangle, and we want to see you do great things, and we want this to be professed, and we want them to feel the difference of what it feels like to walk in Parkway life and feel the spirit of the Lord moving in our atmosphere, amen? We want to feel that, but I got to tell you something. It's so easy as a pastor to kind of just go, oh man, it feels so good and it's just comfort and the church is doing good financially and we're stable and good things are happening, good-sized congregation and I as a pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you, can kind of Go to sleep in the lap of comfort, comfort, and kind of, kind of just fall in love with comfort. And maybe, maybe your business is just, just doing so good, so good. And you hit that little moment, and you, you see greater things ahead of you. But, but you start, start getting over there in the gravel of comfort. And man, it's just so nice, and it's so good that you lose sight of the next level. Your marriage is, is doing so good. Everything's going so good in the marriage. And then you kind of you forget to start doing the basics of just communication in the marriage. And, and you kind of get comfortable and not working at it anymore. And not going to the marriage retreat. or I mean, it could be not staying focused. Not, not, not doing the things that you used to do. And you got comfortable. And, and then all of a sudden, you kind of find yourself hitting the gravel and the comfort begins to be the thing that stops you from reaching the dream. Well, well, I want a Christian family, and I want to raise them in the house of God, and I want this, this, and this, and that. And you got these dreams, and all of a sudden, the basics were lost because, because of comfort. Adina and I, or Dina is a marriage and family therapist, and, and, and so many people that her and I come in contact with and, and trying to coach them and their marriage, we often say they're, they're not very far off. It's, it's, it's not that very far off. Don't, 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 don't quit. Don't, because, but you're, you're not, it's, it's just maybe, it's just a few basic things, but you just got in the lane of comfort and, and you feel the gravel of comfort, but, but don't stay there. Pull, pull back on the head towards the dream. You, you got kids you're fighting for. You got, you got, you got, you got other lives you're fighting for and pull back in the middle and head towards the dream. God's got purpose and God's got dream and but 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 make sure I know you're going to get frustrated with her or him and I know you're going to get frustrated in the business and and and, and tough times hit and it hits all of us but but I got to tell you don't don't lose sight don't let frustration and don't let comfort cause you to go to sleep and not reach the dream that God has for you. Is this talking to anybody here today? Anybody here today? And so if your life becomes too comfortable and ambition and will die and the soft gravel of comfort starts pulling you into it. Man, this next place is, that it pulls you into is dangerous. I mean, you can have a, your car can start flipping and this, you can flip out. And this next one, it's the ditch, the ditch of complacency, complacency. Man, you're talking about a scary place. Complacency is, let me give you the Webster's definition of the complacency, and it'll be on the screen for you. Look at this. Complacency is, this is Webster, is self-satisfaction. I'm, I'm going I'm to stop right there, and I'm just going to put my word for it in there, comfort. Is that cool? Because it's kind of the same, self-satisfaction. Comfort accompanied by unawareness 
of actual dangers or deficiencies. Man, that's good. In other words, this, I pulled into comfort, but then the gravel of comfort, if I stay there, pulls me into complacency, and it's comfort. I already passed through comfort, but we went to a new level beyond just self-satisfaction. Now I've got the unique ability that I don't even know my own deficiencies anymore. I don't even, I'm not even aware of the dangers that are around me. I'm so logged in to being complacent that I don't even see my own issues anymore. When I was riding the dream and riding with the promise and I was alert, you know, it's kind of like, like this. And, and, and one, of the, one of the most dangerous things when you're driving on a long trip is to put it on cruise control. And, and I do it, but you know why, don't you? Because, because you, you kind of get sleepy and you're not, you know, you're not tagged in as much. And so you put it on cruise control and you're riding down through there. And what, 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 what happens right there? You start kind of getting comfortable. Am I the only one I like kick my shoes off? And I'm going, thank you, Jesus, for cruise control. Take my shoe off. And, and I, y'all don't avoid me on the road, but on a long trip, sometimes I've even, I've even put my foot under like this. If you can't see my foot, it's not where it's not supposed to be. It is where it's something. It's, it's not, it doesn't either. And, and, and so, and so I'm, I'm there, and I'm not even close to, I, I can't even, it's not even what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just, I'm just comfortable. And now comfortable, comfort pulled me over, and I'm just falling into a ditch. And the ditch is I don't even understand. Sure, if, 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 if policeman Ed coming sitting there and said, man, what are you doing with your foot? I'd say, oh, my God, my God, what am I doing? What have I? But, but I'm not there, and I don't even understand my own deficiencies and my own dangers. And I'm just not aware. I'm not alert anymore. And I'm just falling into a place of complacency and maybe maybe that's maybe you're going to find yourself on this graph today you you just like it's 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 impossible to walk out of here and go well that graph didn't fit me no you're you're in you'll find yourself somewhere today whether whether you're man everything is rolling and dream and promise or or you're going to find yourself in fact I found myself on the graph and it ate my lunch and stirred my heart. And, and man, that's when I go, oh, I've got I've to share this with the church because I found myself on the graph. You say, Pastor, where were you? I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> you know why? This is why I don't want to tell you. Because one of us, because as Christians, one of the things we often do is when we hear of someone else's issue or their place where they're struggling, you go to sleep on your own struggle. And you start going, well, I'm better than them. I want to, it's a shame that he's over in that ditch. I'm sure glad I'm not in that ditch. And you become unaware of your own complacency. And so I'm not ashamed of where I'm at. And I'm not talking about major sin or nothing like that. So don't get too freaked out. I'm just talking about the fact of I found myself on this graph. And I'll go, oh, God. I see exactly where I am. I know exactly. You just, you just spoken in my life, and it's caused me to go to sleep to the dream and the promise that you got before me. And so we shake ourselves, and we, we wake ourselves back up, and we become aware because complacency begins to sap my energy, and it dulls my attitude, and it drains my brain. And, I, and, and, and the first symptom is satisfaction with things as they are. 
I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, there's nothing driving in me more. It's nothing, I'm just happy with the way things are. It's the satisfaction with the way things are. And the second part of this is that, is that it is rejection of as things as they might be, as they might be. So I've got a reject, a first symptom of satisfaction with things as they are. In other words, I'm just happy with things the way they are. I just, I'm just so complacent. And if you feel that way, that, that, that's, be alarmed, be alarmed. That's, that's a ditch. That's a ditch. Well, pastor, I'm supposed to be content. Yeah, you're supposed to be happy in what God has given you, but always a drive to fur, further of what he has for you. And so this is satisfaction away things are. And the second, second is rejection of the future of what God has for me, of, of what things can be. And so, man, maybe a pastor or somebody says, man, God's got great things for you, and he's got great things for your family, and, and you just can't even, you can't even see it anymore. And so it's kind of almost like a rejection, and you, and you push beyond that, and, and, and all of a sudden, a buzzword starts, you start humming a buzzword, and that is, it's, it's, it's just good enough. And everything is just good enough, and the church is good enough, and, and, and my family's good enough, and it starts becoming a buzzword, and, and, and the buzzword today becomes a standard tomorrow, and it's just, it's just we're good enough, and complacency makes people fear the unknown and hate the new, and we're scared to death, and, and I, w- I want to be able to... I wanna be able to being handled everything, but you just can't handle everything on your dream. And so sometimes you don't understand all, but don't be fearful of, of what God's got before you. Just keep moving. But, but like water, like water complacent, people can, will follow the easiest course. And it's downhill. It's downhill to, to mediocrity. And we don't want to go there. We don't want to be in that place. And complacent people do something that's very dangerous. They draw strength from looking back. Put that graph back up for me, written in. And they're going this way, they're going this way, and all of a sudden they start looking back and they get this false strength from looking back. You'll know it, it sounds, it sounds like this. Maybe, maybe in Christianity it sounds like this. Watch this. I've heard this a bunch of times. Boy, I tell you what, we used to have revival back in 19 something. And I'm going, man, look what God's doing in the church today. He's, he's better than he's ever been. And they're going, hey, you just should have been here years ago. And I'm going, no, 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 look, look, look. We're closer to the coming of Jesus than we've ever been before. His church is alive. It's, it's well. It's healthy. Brand new people are walking in the house of God saying, I'm hungry and thirsty for this. This is the stuff we've been preaching for for years. This is exciting stuff. I mean, people's eyes are being opened to truth and revelation and exciting and good things happen. I would rather be alive today than any other time in history. Did you realize that you possibly could be alive when Jesus comes back? I mean, I I don't know. We don't know. But you could be alive because so many signs are coming to to pass. You could be alive. I would rather be alive now than when when Jesus walked the earth. And I'd I'd rather see what I'm seeing now than the blind eyes when Jesus touched because he said greater works will you do the church will do you're going to do greater things hey I grab hold of that promise I I receive that promise I grab hold of that dream 
But I'm not going to become complacent that I start looking back and say, man, I wish it was like it was. I, man, I'll tell you what, my business was so good a few, few years ago. It's just pitiful now. And start looking back, and I draw strength from yesterday's victories. And I, I know we count our blessings and all those things, but false strength of always looking back, always looking back, always looking back. And I'm looking back as I'm heading towards mediocrity. I'm looking back at the dream as I get further and further and further from my purpose, my dream, my destiny, what God's called me for in my life. And so everyone experiences complacency. It's not like, oh, it's that one or that you know, no, it, it's, it's all of us have experienced complacency in our life from time to time. And it's when complacency becomes a way of life and it becomes a problem and complacency and begins to invade every other area of life. And all of a sudden, you'll notice because you start, you start losing passion. You start losing interest. You, you start losing desire. You start losing a focus. And, and when complacent, the valued things that had captivated our thoughts and our hearts and our energy and we had passion for, they begin to fade from priority and can even become mundane or boring or just used to it in its everyday life. And, and we start getting burnout in our work life and burnout in our walk with God and burnout in our marriage and burnout in business and, 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 and we start losing the focus of what God really has for us. The shame, the shame is not in complacency, but in the failure to recognize it and take corrective measures to regain our footing and get back on it. It's not bad that you fell into a place of complacency. It's bad that you did become aware of it in time to yank it yourself back towards the dream and the promise. In fact, there's a scripture, the Bible talks about this very, very strongly. And it says this, it's when, it's when the scripture says, whoa, <laughs> Now, when I hear whoa, if, if Brandon's walking toward me and I say, whoa, I mean, that's, that's pretty strong. You know, it's like, whoa, he's got something to say. And the book says this, whoa, like stop, stop. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Woe to them that are at ease in the church. The church has just become too comfortable and it's too easy. And, and I'm just kind of floating along and, you talk about, man, I want to strengthen myself in prayer. And you're like, ah, I've done that before looking back for false strength. I, I've, I've, I've done, what about, man, what about taking a time of fasting and getting on your knees? And, I've done that before. I've done that before, but not moving forward. What about devotion? What about burying yourself in the word of God? And what about burying yourself in the church? What about burying yourself in a life group? What about, ah, yeah, just complacent. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. And we lose our passion. We lose our desire. And business starts falling off. And leadership starts falling off. And the marriage starts going down. And the church is not what it needs to be. And whoa, 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 whoa. And so what happens is the dangerous thing of all is that somewhere through this process we make a turn and we start heading towards mediocrity. And I, and I got to tell you, mediocrity is a, so dangerous, but yet it's a, it's, it's a traffic jam over there. 
I mean, there, there's tons of people on the road to mediocrity. I mean, it just you can barely get in the traffic. I mean, everybody's heading towards normal. Everybody's heading towards average. Everybody's heading towards mundane. And it's like, man, just, just coasting along. But it's the unique leader, the unique pastor, the unique saint, the unique business that says, I refuse to get complacent and I'm going to charge and be the best that I can possibly be. What I'm preaching to you today and teaching you today, I, I'm praying that God gives me an opportunity to speak it into our community. I do a thing called Power Lunch and I want to speak it to every business in this area because it's so important if we're going to succeed in life in every area of our life. We've got to, you've got to see this graph. You've got to understand where you're at, and you've got to chase the dream and the purpose that God has set before you in your life. We want comfort, but I don't want to pray, pay the price for comfort by falling into mediocrity. I want to continue to chase the dream that God has for us. A few, year, a few years back, I was honored to take uh, inherit a church. In fact, December will be 16 years that I've had the opportunity to be at Parkway and Man, it's been a fun ride. It's a good thing to say today. Been a fun ride and been a blast. And man, I've, I've loved every minute of it. Well, every minute of it's a little strong, but I've loved the majority of it. And it's been a fun ride. It's been good times. And, 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 and I'm, just, I'm just leveling with you and kind of being straight with you today. But it's very easy for me to, it's very easy for me to veer. Church is comfortable. Finances are doing well. I mean, I mean, God's doing like really good things. He's got the church just veer over here and just get comfortable. Just get comfortable. But about two months ago, and this is, I want you to hear my heart as a leader for just a minute. Just about two months before Harvey, I met with our board. And man, I got to tell you, I was scratching my bald head. And I was saying, listen, 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 guys. We got to do something. What is that, Pastor? We got to get more seats in this house. And I can see some of them looking at me like, dear Jesus, he's really not wanting to build again, is he? And, and I said, but we got to get more seats. And, and I, even, I even said this, we're considering taking out our pews. And then even on my own, I was like, oh, man, I can't do that. We already paid for those pews. <laughs> or we're still paying for those pews. And I was like, oh, man. But if we took out the pews, we can get more seats in and we can... Because people are hungry and they're thirsty and they're coming to Parkway and God's doing something. And I know the dream and I know the vision God gave for us. And we talked about it in the boardroom. And man, God, it stirred my heart to go to the next level. And, and, and let me tell you, this is the way God works. And I'm not trying to build myself up. I'm just talking about how it works in your own life. And you're chasing the dream. And, 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 and I knew, I felt it in the meeting and I didn't know even how to do it. I didn't know how to fund the vision and I didn't know how to pay for the vision. And we talked about it in the meeting and said, man, we don't even know what to do. We don't. Do we need to borrow this amount of money and 500000 here to build this and that? And we got to expand. We got to do something. We got to get more seats in the house. What are we going to do? And God, 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 God heard, heard our cry. Oh, yes, he did, church. He heard our cry. Now, you're sitting in an echo center here today, and you're saying, what do you mean they heard our cry? There's less seats in here. But, oh, 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 don't, 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 get, don't get bound up by frustration. Don't get bound up by, by, by the comfort. Don't, don't get, no, 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 listen, 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 listen to what he's doing. God heard the cry of the passion of, of men and women and, that are hungry and thirsty and moving forward. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up, and this is what I'm going to do. Not only am I going to help them chase the dream and taste the purpose, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to fund the vision for them. 
<laughs> Man, y'all catch that in a few months when we move in this place because it's going to be awesome. Are y'all out there today? I said it's going to be awesome. But I got to tell you something. I didn't realize that we was going to get a bunch of water. And then water was going to bring, this week we finally got our final payment from, from insurance and we got all that we were supposed to get, every dollar bill of it. Woo. Hold on a second, I got a praise break. I'm going to tell you, because I'm going to tell you I had some frustration in there. In fact, in fact, Steve, our secretary treasurer, I called him last, last week and I said, Steve, we got to talk, bro. He said, what? I said, man, we've only got 200, I think $50,000 in. We got to talk about what we're going to do. This insurance is not coming in. What are we going to do? Oh, pastor, I forgot to tell you, we've had the next big payment in and the other ones just a few days from here. I go, dear Jesus, my brother Steve, you have got to understand I've been in the frustration and you've got to tell me, you got to tell me these things. I, I've, been, I've been trying to manage my frustration. So the next, the, later on, we got some more good news that week. He texts me and let me know. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Steve's understanding. I'm about to lose a few more hairs. But that's the way it is. But God saw what we're doing and we're moving forward. And I don't know the end from the beginning, but I know this. He's given us a dream and he's given us a vision and we're going to keep casting vision. And next week, I want to tell you about some things next week. I'm going to cast some vision. I want to tell you what we're shooting for and what we're believing in and what we're claiming in the name of Jesus. And we're reaching for bigger things. I used to preach in this room, preach in this room like before we built that new building. I preached in this room. And, and in fact, I was right over here and I used to preach and God filled up the congregation. He filled up the congregation and I was like, yes! And then I thought, man, there's some space up there we can put some people in. That balcony, and it really wasn't created to be a balcony for a church, but we started putting chairs up there. And I remember some of the people that are in our church today were the first people to start sitting up in there. In fact, and one of them was Belinda. I remember Belinda coming and sitting up there. And, and, and right up there, we started preaching to an empty balcony. And God started filling the balcony up. And, and then we built a new building. In fact, I had, I had somebody tell me. I had somebody tell Listen to this. I had somebody, and I've said this before, but I had a minister tell me that, that pastors in the area, and I would never let you know who that is, but told me one time, they said, people will never drive from Beaumont all the way to Lumberton. I'm like, all the way? My God. I mean, I grew up in Houston, so it's like a joke to me, but I will never drive from Beaumont to Lumberton for a church. Man, there is no way. People will never drive, and I'm like, they wouldn't drive to your church. Because your church is too stinking complacent, and you've lost the vision, and you've lost the dream. But I'll tell you what they will do. They'll drive to somebody's church that's chasing the dream and purpose, and they've got something in their heart they're passionate about, the presence of God. And, I don't, and I'm, not lifting up, I'm not lifting up self in that, but I'm just telling you, dream and purpose is so important that we place before us. And now what's God done? In a little bitty town, a rural town, 15,000, 16,000 people, God's raising up a church. God's raising, he's doing something awesome. We got people to drive from Houston. One, for one time we had somebody drive for two years from the Woodlands. But we have somebody right now driving from Houston to come to church here. Droves of people drive from Beaumont, Sour Lake, Sealsby, all surrounding, Vider, all these surrounding areas. And God's, excuse my language, God ain't through yet. Do you recognize it? 
Do you recognize it? Next week, I'm preaching on something, and it's one key word, one key word, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's going to be the theme of my message next week that's going to be the cure to keep you in the middle of the street, the cure to keep you in the middle of the street.